Welcome aboard and buckle up. You're now listening to Shift Happens with Jim Milloway. Now, let's dive in, go deep, share ideas, and take a good look at what we in the benefits industry can do to accelerate the shift to the member-first economy. And now, live from Zero Studios, your host, the more infamous than famous, Jim Milloway. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Shift Happens. This is an in-depth look at what we in the benefits industry can do to accelerate the shift to the member-first economy. It's an evolved mindset that uses modern approach, customer delight, data analytics, and the best possible experience to shift the industry where it needs to be. My name's Jim Milloway. I'm CEO at Zero, and I'll be your host today. I'm really pumped about our guest today, a gentleman I've known for a long time, I have the utmost respect for, and that's Bob Smith. So Bob Smith's a longtime leader in the industry. He's an advocate for this shift we're going to be talking about. So Bob's worked with the Colorado Business Group on Health since 2010, piloting payment reform and promoting value-based purchasing in Colorado. And I couldn't be more excited to welcome him to our show. So Bob, welcome. How are you? And tell us a little bit about yourself. Doing great, Jim. Thanks uh, for having me this morning. I appreciate it. Um, I've spent about 35 years uh, as a healthcare executive, uh, mostly in hospitals, including five years uh, as a CEO of a hospital-owned health plan. As you mentioned, I've been with uh, CBGH for about 10 years, the last three of which I've been the executive director. And now I, I also serve as the president of a, a new nonprofit that we formed. It's a healthcare purchasing cooperative that's authorized under the, the Department of Insurance. Hey, interesting. We'll have to talk a little bit about that too. So I'm going to get into it. Yeah. You know, this is going to be conversational. I certainly encourage anyone that's joined us here. You can ask questions in the chat feature uh, and I'll make sure we get all to those. So Bob, one of the things I want to talk about first, and I think you say this as well as anybody, and I've long argued too, that our healthcare system isn't broken, right? It, it performs exactly how it was intended to. So if the healthcare system isn't broken, I agree with you when you say we have a dysfunctional marketplace. So tell us about, tell us about the marketplace and from your purview, what's so dysfunctional? Well, you know, I think you could say probably uh, three things about about today's healthcare market. It is um, inconsistently effective. You can get really outstanding and very poor results. It's consistently inefficient. By any estimate, we waste 25 to 40% of what we spend on healthcare, and it's increasingly, ever increasingly expensive. So that, to me, would be a dysfunctional marketplace. And, and as Dr. Don Berwick said, every system is perfectly designed to get exactly the results it's getting. So if it functions this way, it, 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 it operates this way because the economics directed to work this way. Yeah, no, that's great. And I love that Don Berwick quote. Yeah, I mean, this is what, this is what we're getting, right? Because these are the outcomes, these right. are the prices, these are the experience that that health plans and even employers are paying, right? So can't we argue that people are just acting the way they're paid to perform? Well, that's exactly, that's exactly right. And, and in fact, uh, another quote that I like so much is, um, uh, we, we shouldn't blame other people uh, because to do that is to give up your power to change. So I don't think we can blame the insurers, the, the, uh, the drug manufacturers, mm -hmm. the hospitals, 
for, for basically profiteering off of the system the way it works. We really need to look at the way we're purchasing benefit, purchasing care and providing benefits. We, we have to look to ourselves. Yeah, so, you know, whether you look at your experience with within the Colorado Business Group on Health or, or with the, the newer uh, or the newer organization in the purchasing alliance, like how do we put, how do we shift this power back to the employers? Well, you're right. I mean, that's exactly what we need to do. We need to shift the marketplace. Um, and, and I would say we would, we, we would do it this way, Jim. And, and, and I think this is, this is what happens. Uh, we, we, we need to shift the marketplace in terms of, of, of focusing on the hospitals. And, and if we talked about the marketplace in, in terms of supply and demand, in terms of the supply, we need to shift from focusing on the hospitals to, to focusing on the physicians that actually take care of patients. We need to organize and reorganize around them. And, and on the demand side or the purchasing side, we need to shift from, from being passive payers and just writing checks. We need to shift to purchasing healthcare the way that with the same due diligence that we purchase other goods and services. So we need to directly purchase. And, and that means in, in, in what is now in most healthcare markets, uh, hospitals have an oligopoly. That means that employers must come together in alliances to offset the incredible power uh, that the hospitals have to determine pricing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I've long felt that this is gonna be employer driven, right? Like the employers are the ones holding the checkbooks here, right? Like they've got all the money, right? They're paying for overwhelming, right. an overwhelming portion of the dollars that we spend in this country come from employer sponsored health plans. How, you know, how effective in your 10 years now, and, and you're probably shocked with me that it's been 10 years now at Colorado Business Group on Health, how effective has the coalition been at shifting this and how much more work do you have? Well, I, I would say we, you know, we've only recently begun to recognize um, that the only way we're going to change this marketplace is is to become purchasers. We we used marvelous tools like Bridges to Excellence for years. We used a program called Evaluate. We used various tools to to quantify the performance of the health system. But for the most part, unless you're the purchaser, unless you're actually negotiating the contracts, you don't really have an opportunity to change things. So, so it was only uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, or, or perhaps a year, that this board decided to restructure and, and start a new organization for this express purpose of, of purchasing. And, uh, and so uh, what we're finding is uh, that it's a lot easier, Jim, to work with uh, independent hospitals, independent physician groups, uh, than it is with uh, large systems. Uh, the large systems, for the most part, have spent a lot of time and treasure uh, putting the, this oligopoly in place, uh, and they are not ready to really give it up. So uh, the employers are going to have to exercise a good deal of courage and resolve. Do you think the employers you're talking to, and, and I'm curious about your sentiment on this, I mean, was there one event that triggered all this or is just just the culmination of people finally saying they've had enough and we've got to get together and fix this now? Yeah. You know, I, I, I've long believed that the Calvary wasn't coming from Washington, D.C. to fix these problems. Right. So what happened? Like, right. What was the catalyst? 
Yeah, yeah, we're not we're not looking to uh, to the feds to change this. I think that that reform, healthcare reform, will happen at the uh, state level. And and the question, and you touched upon it. The the question is, uh, can the free market reform healthcare, or do we need some kind of employ, uh, uh, state uh, uh, intervention, uh, either fixed, uh, either uh, rate setting or or a public option at the state level? Uh, what, what triggered it here in, in Colorado, frankly, was we had a, a statute on the books uh, whereby the uh, General Assembly passed a legislation that encourages employers to come together in group purchasing cooperatives. These aren't risk-bearing entities, but they're purchasing alliances. And uh, the insurance commissioner uh, and I had put together a plan uh, that he presented to the governor and Governor Polis committed to me that the state of Colorado would be the first employer in. And since that time, we've gotten letters of intent from the city and county of Denver, from five or six uh, mid-sized to large school districts, uh, a couple of other uh, public employers, including a county government and so on. And uh, so we've got about 13, what I would consider to be early adopters. These are employers who understand that we are taking money out of classrooms, we're taking money out of teacher salaries, uh, firemen salaries, police, we're taking money out of our communities. Many of the hospitals, Jim, argue that this is, uh, that, that building uh, 10 new hospitals in the last two years, despite a 60% occupancy rate, is economic development. And I'd say that's, that's baloney. That's baloney. We're ta the, they're taking money out of our communities, they're taking money out of our schools. No, that's interesting, right? And 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 Denver's like Tulsa, like all communities will receive this proliferation of building, right? Under under the kind of the guise of economic activity. But last time I checked, there weren't thousands of people flying into Tulsa just to get their ACLs. Repaired. No, that's right. That's that's exactly right. And you you could only argue it's economic development if you're creating primary jobs. They're not creating uh, they're not creating primary jobs. In fact. The MedPAC, the Medicare Payment Advisory Commission, uh, uh, reported to Congress last March in their annual report to Congress that what happens when nonprofit hospitals receive excessive payments, and in Colorado they receive payments from the commercial market roughly twice what they need to break even. MedPAC reported to Congress that when nonprofits receive excessive payments because they don't have shareholders and because they don't have taxes or uh, taxes to pay, what they do with that excess revenue is they build things, they buy things, they, they build cancer centers that we don't need, heart programs we don't need, they buy physician practices to control the channels of distribution. And then what happens is they go back to the insurers and the employers and say, we need more money because our expenses are up. Well, right. but you know, I, I think you bring up a good point earlier in the conversation, right? Like it, we can't blame the health systems, no. right? They're just playing the game. They are responding to the incentives that we directly or indirectly through surrogate purchasers, i.e. the insurers, the, the hospitals are, are responding to the incentives that have been put in place. The incentives have been to be big, not to be good. You know, what's interesting is it doesn't matter if I'm in Sioux Falls or New York or Denver. Right. The names that you just rattled off are some of the largest healthcare purchasers in the region, in the state. When you're talking city, county of Denver and and right. the, the state of Colorado. So you're you're having more luck. You mentioned with the independent physicians and the physician owned facilities. 
Will it, will it take success there, do you think, to get the big health systems engaged? And, you know, we've talked about this before. The hope was you'd have these folks engaged at the onset. Well, we, we, we tried that. Uh, and we went to some of the larger systems. First of all, they would, uh, some of the larger systems would not negotiate um, uh, as a percent of prices as a percent of Medicare. And, and, and I, I tell our members, unless you know what you're paying as a percent of Medicare, you do not know what you're paying. So a story, very brief story, local school district and relatively rural community said, oh, well, we get a great deal from our local hospital. They're really supporting us. Oh, really? How so? Well, they, excuse me, they give us a 60% discount. Can you imagine that? A 60% discount. Well, we calculated what that was as a percent of Medicare, and it turned out to be 360% of Medicare. Wow. Efficient hospitals can break even on Medicare. And average hospitals only lose 9%. Yeah, that's fascinating. So you, you've long been in the trenches, right? And especially the last 10 years working with as an employer, yeah. right? Who, who, one, have the power to change it, but two, have, have, have borne the brunt of this. And, and I think, you know, in a previous conversation, you said this so eloquently, right? We've got to help people become proactive purchasers rather than passive payers. And I love the way that sounds, and I think it's perfect. So tell me, tell me what it means to be a proactive purchaser. Well, I mean, look, if, if you're talking about improving the value of the services that you're purchasing and providing to employees, then the first part is quality. And you need to make certain that uh, the quality uh, is, uh, is, is in the top tier. And, and what we find when we look at hospitals across Colorado, 58 non-critical access hospitals, while each one of these hospitals offers some very, very good and even excellent services measured against all, all acute care, general acute care hospitals across the country, every one of them, Jim, every one of the 58 offers some services that are in the bottom decile in terms of reliability. And that's regardless of price. We find no relationship between the price, the nine most expensive hospitals and the nine least expensive hospitals in Colorado, priced as a percent of Medicare, uh, no difference in their overall uh, performance profile. So, so you see, yeah. go ahead. Well, so you need to know what the quality is. And, and then uh, you, you need to know uh, what, what, what the price is, is percent of Medicare. So this year, this fall, actually early winter, we will be producing uh, one of those tables with, with four quadrants on it, and it'll show high-priced, high-quality, low-priced, low-quality, low-priced, high-quality. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll try to get more and more employers to act on that data. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, and explain to me, right, so if I'm an employer, right, or I'm a broker consultant that works with employers, and how do I know if I've just been a passive payer all these years? Well, I would suggest that unless you've been at the table negotiating the price and negotiating the, the quality, uh, you've been a passive payer. If you're just writing a check, and I would suggest most, you know, most benefits, and I'll, uh, benefit managers, and I'll be blunt, they think that uh, being a good purchaser of administrative services is being a good health care purchaser. No, it's not. It's not. Being a good health care pr uh, purchaser 
uh, means understanding that hospital quality varies as much within hospitals and in, by service line and even within service lines by doctors. So it means empowering people with tools that, that, that can drive them or provide incentives to go to the very highest quality, highest value providers and sites of care. Hey, okay, we, we, we got our first question. And so yeah. this is actually from a friend of ours we both know. So this is Dr. Stan Schwartz. Dr. Schwartz. And right. here's his question. How are you working to get people not to the best hospital? I think this is your point, but to the hospital that's best for their particular problem that they right. have. So you talked right. about the incentives. How do you do that? Right. We, we, we use, uh, we use a, 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 a model called um, the, the care checks hospital and, and physician rating index. And, and it, our good friends. That's who that's, we use. That's exactly right. Care checks and uh, sponsored by Quantros. And, uh, and, and what it will show you is for a given service line in a given hospital, they might be at the 96th percentile, like one of the large hospitals here is in the 96th percentile. And yet within that service line, within orthopedics, okay, 12 different orthopods, three are in the top quartile, six are in the middle two quartiles, and three are in the bottom quartile of all orthop orthopedic surgeons. So you can't just say, well, I'm gonna go there because it's a center of excellence for orthopedics. I need to pick the right physician. Right. So yeah, what, we've, what we've tried to do, Jim, is engage hospitals, and, and we're doing this successfully with the independents, to engage the hospitals, to engage their medical staff in, in a continuous quality improvement effort over a period of time to, yeah. get, to get all these guys to perform better. When do you think you'll start to see the, the Purchasing Alliance bear the fruits of all these efforts? I mean, yeah. when are, when's the Purchasing Alliance going to move beyond kind of the name alliance where you're going to start where the employers are now within that going to be acting like proactive purchasers and when are you going to be moving patients yeah. around as a result yeah yeah, yeah I, I i will be doing that effectively by july 1 next year we had hoped frankly to do it by january 1st and and a couple of large systems uh, uh we just we got bogged down let's say in the bureaucracy so we're we're shifting our emphasis we are we are um finalizing contracts with a number of specialty and independent hospitals and a number of physician freestanding centers and several advanced practice primary care groups. Um, and, and that'll be in place by year's end, by the holidays. And, and then uh, we can begin uh, putting things in place for open enrollment early next year for 7-1. For and then we'll continue to contract. That's exciting. So what's your hope, right? When you get to 7-1, how many employees, spouses, and dependents do you think this effort is going to represent up there in that region? Well, uh, we, we represent with the 13 employers representing that, that uh, and they're all, they're all self-funded, uh, although uh, about a quarter of their lives are in, uh, in, uh, in Kaiser. The rest are um, in one of the bookers. Uh, they represent about 80-some thousand lives, so we've got uh, uh, employees. So we've got roughly twice that in terms of the number of members. And, and we, we hope to get maybe a third to a, to, to, uh, to a half of them beginning to use the tools that we put in place next uh, July 1st. Um, and, then, and then we think that in order to really shift and change the marketplace, this is a heavy lift. I mean, as Warren Buffett said, uh, this is, it, it's, it's not easy to, to, to change a $3.5 trillion industry, right? 
Right. Um, and, and so it'll take, a, take us a couple of years. It will take a lot of resolve. And we've got some marvelous, marvelous early adopters uh, and leaders in terms of these employers. Okay. I'd love to hear that. Okay. So we've got, an, we've got a question here. I can't see who asked it, but I can see the question. Will the Alliance be doing the work to help identify those top performing physicians and hospitals, or is that task at the individual employer level? No, what we will, uh, we, we will use a couple of tools that we consider to be best in class and put those in the hands of the employers. Um, and uh, and uh, we, we will absolutely build on care checks. One of the reasons that we like Healthcare Blue Book, and we're looking very closely at Healthcare Blue Book, is that they similarly use uh, care checks uh, to, for the rating system. So, uh, so we're, we're very aligned there and uh, we're working out a relationship that, so that we can put this in the hands of, of the consumers. And, and what we really wanna do, what we've spoken with them about is put this in the hands of the case managers at the advanced practice, primary care practices who are then doing the referrals so that, so that it's seamless. That's interesting. So one of the things that we've done, right, that's, that's always been of interest to me, and I thought there'd be more appetite, but, you know, the farther along we are. And so we're, we're seeing data integrations more at that primary care practice level, right? How do we make it easy, easy, not just for the employee or the spouse or the dependent, how do we make it easy for the, for the primary care practitioner to know where to send people, right? You know, unfortunately, primary care in some places has become kind of the milk at the back of the store, right? You just need to get any, you just need to get people in, right? Because the referrals are going to yeah. flow. And, you know, I think oftentimes passive payers, if I can use your terminology, don't appreciate how well-oiled of a machine that primary care physician office might be about getting yeah. people to high cost settings. So you're going to flip the whole thing the other way around. Yeah, you bet. Uh, we really, we're, we're really, I mean, in order for healthcare to be effective and efficient, we need to shift uh, to being uh, physician directed. I mean, in, in, at the end of the day, all the technology aside, all the however many slice cat scans and all that, at the end of the day, medicine is still about the laying out of hands. I mean, it, 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 in some ways it hasn't changed, in, a, in that regard, it hasn't changed in a thousand years. And, and, and these are the folks, the most aligned interests in all of healthcare, I would say there are two, two, two sets, two pairs of common and aligned interests. One is between insurers, frankly, uh, whose earnings per share drive off premium, a percent of premium, off profit, which is a percent of premium, and, and the hospitals. So the, the insurers and the hospitals, and, and that's not to de denigrate the, the insurers, it's just to look at the financial incentives. The other aligned incentives are between physicians and employers. Physicians want to provide the best care and employers want to purchase the best care. I, 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 I'm just absolutely convinced of that. So employers need to work directly with the medical community. Hey, Bob, this was great. I don't see any more questions coming in. I want to thank everybody, certainly for the questions. Yep. We're going to wrap it up. You, you know, I hope it's been useful and helpful, informative and fun for everybody. Bob, it certainly has been for me. Thank you. Uh, so I want to thank you for joining us. Everybody else, please check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter. Let us know what's on your mind. Take care. Stay healthy out there. Thanks, Bob. All right. Thanks, Jim. Take care. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed Flying Zero Studios on our destination to Shift Happens with Jim Milloway. 
Be sure to subscribe and review our podcast. And don't forget to join us for each and every episode as we accelerate the shift to the member-first economy.